What's going on, podcast people? Welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast. On tonight's episode, the beer raider, Mike Ansley. Uh, as you can imagine, if you don't follow him on Instagram, check him out. Uh, we talk everything about beer. Uh, he is one of the awesome beer bloggers throughout uh, BC, blogging about everything craft beer. Uh, and as you know, I love craft beer. We try a few different uh, of our favorites and give a little summary on what we like about them. Uh, check out the podcast. Let us know what you think. And we would love for you to hit that subscribe button. Mike, what's going on? Uh, you know, just happy to be here. It's vote day, Monday. Absolutely. Yeah. You voted today. I did vote before I did anything. Well, before I went to work. I learned something from Instagram today. I had a realtor friend who posted a photo of his ballot before he voted. Uh, <laughs> That's not legal, though. Or I don't know. They shouldn't. They frown upon it now. There's a little sign. Don't take a photo? Yeah. You can't take photos of ballot. Oh, I took a photo of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Is my vote going to not count anymore? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Pull his out. <laughs> uh, anyway. I don't know if it's a legal I won't, thing. I won't, put his, I won't say his name. But he voted. Uh, or he had a photo of his ballot on Instagram. I was looking through, I don't know where he lives, East Van or something like that. And there was a communist party uh, person. Oh, really? I didn't know that existed in Canada. I did. Yeah, I saw, I, they were in Burnaby, the Burnaby writing like two years ago. It was the first time I saw them. I wonder how many, many votes them. they get. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> probably just family members. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna turn it on later tonight. That'd be interesting though. Like later. you look in your because you get to see the number of votes. It's yeah. like shit. There's like 500 <laughs> communists around me. <laughs> it's funny, right? Oh man, I want to look and see what their actual platform is. Is it like 100 percent Marxist communism, or is it like bits <laughs> and pieces? Can you look it up? I'm pretty sure. Can you look it up? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, well, I might as well say it. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Uh, there in Nanaimo. There's this lady running for, uh, maybe it's Couch and Valley, somewhere on the island. She's running for People's Party of uh, Canada. Yeah. And <laughs> the photo that she has on her billboard sign things is just comical. Like put zero effort into it. Really? Like her hair is just all kind of messy. She's wearing like a plaid shirt that's unbuttoned <laughs> and she's not smiling. It, it was just super strange. And so we're like driving down the highway and I see this and I'm like, hmm, what person on her political campaign team picked that out of the crowd of all the photos that she probably took and is like, this is the this one. Is the this one. is what we're using. This will get you in. <laughs> I find that about a lot of, even like, well, you're in real estate. Some of those signs, like people's Hilarious. picture on it, it's like, Oh, I was going to buy from you, but now I think you might kill me. Like, it's, it's creepy photos. Who signs off on these things? We keep, uh, I guess the, everyone has different personalities and thinks different things are, are okay, but I keep a bunch of old business cards. Oh, yeah. Just for the photos on the back, basically. <laughs> and there was, there was one of this, a lady who is like holding a briefcase, talking on the phone and picking up something off the sidewalk. And that's her, that's her photo. So she's like, on a sidewalk in Vancouver. Yeah. 
action shot. So like you could Photoshop a surfboard in there and it would totally <laughs> <laughs> look appropriate. That's weird. Again, what image, like what message are you trying to portray there? I don't know. Like I'm busy all the time. <laughs> yeah, always on my phone. I, I have if no I'm tying time for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen a uh, Rocky Dong's video? Yes. Super funny, actually. He's the PPC guy, right? party. Yeah, Burnaby. No, I he was seen this. Uh, PPC too, right? Yes. Yeah. He. Can you explain it to Mike? I watched it after you told me to watch it. It's just like this corny, corny YouTube video, like done in a park, and he plays off his name because his name's Rocky, so it's like yeah. a boxer. So he, oh, I think I did hear about this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the first line is like, "I'm Rocky Dong." I am not Rocky Balboa, <laughs> but then he's wearing boxing gloves and, and it, he has like st- like post its of like stuff that he wants to change okay. and he's like punching it and stuff. It's yeah. pretty good. It's amazing. Yeah, is he serious? He is one hundred percent serious. Well, he's a candidate. Like he's actually running. That's like I get that he's running, but some guys just do this as a bit of a joke to maybe get some young vote, and some guys are like, "Nah, this is this is legit." People are going to think this is amazing. I just don't know if he's that self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it comes in. That's again, awesome. Again, though, like, it's not just him that's running. He probably has a team of people that are helping him market himself. Yeah. but the, So there's a big group of people that are like, yeah, this is the way we're going to win. This is the way we're going to get votes. <laughs> so he has a whole team at just like a local park shooting it, and someone says that this is a good idea. <laughs> it was quite fun. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I got to look it up. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, what are we starting with today? Juxtapose? Jux. What's your story with this? You briefly mentioned it. Yeah, I had, I remember having the very first version of it when it was under cork and cage. And it's, it was a different recipe than it is now. And I think that's because of production of it. Mm -hmm. Like it was more of an experimental batch, but it was like the beer that changed my perception of beer. I think I'd been blogging for about I'll say six months or a year. Yeah. Trying to drink as much as I possibly could. Perfect. Which was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that one just really stood out. Like, I don't think I really had a wild fermented beer yep. before. And yeah, it was, I don't even remember the exact taste. I just remember the reaction, which was just like, yes, this is, this is special. How many years ago was that? I started blogging about five and a half years ago. So okay. roughly five years ago. Yeah. That was when it's hard to look back at like timelines for me, but that was probably when craft beer was just kind of starting to blow up in BC. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, like it was really, I drank a lot of beer and I always, beer was always my drink. Um, but like most of us started with macro, like coconut was yeah. what my dad drank. So that's <laughs> what I drank. Then you got to coconut gold. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is amazing. And then, uh, and then Sleeman's Honey Brown was, was that progression. And then after that, um, I don't know where I went, but it was when I went, moved to Victoria and it was just so many different kinds of beer available in the liquor store. And my buddy and I, while we were in school, we could basically afford like a six pack each a week. So we'd pick a different one each Friday and just go to town and, um, it was just fun to explore them. And then, then I met my, well, who's my wife now and she was huge on IPAs hmm. and we just kind of started exploring beer. And then it got to the point where 
I think she was tired about talking about beer. And so she said, just start a fucking blog. <laughs> and now beer is even more all I talk about. Um, but yeah, watching it grow over the last five years and especially moving from Victoria, uh, that was about, about five years. Maybe I've been blogging for six years. I don't know. About, okay. um, but moving from Victoria, where it's a very, it's a beer city. But there's there, at the time there was no tasting rooms, and they didn't want them. Hmm. Um, and then coming out here, and that's about the time that um, you know Four Winds was starting up, Steel and Oak, yeah. starting up. Everybody at that five year mark, and they just have these awesome to hang out in tasting rooms. Hmm. Um, I wonder what the reason was for Vancouver, or sorry, Victoria, not wanting tasting rooms. I don't know, and I've heard um, mixed mixed stories on it. One of them was that. Phillips just said, no, tasting rooms have no place in a brewery. And so no one put a tasting room in there. I feel like that's more of a, a legend yeah. than anything. <laughs> yeah. um, but they, there's breweries that have been there for so long and they just never had tasting rooms. You just go there, get your growler and, and leave. Um, and it could just be the Victoria culture that, you know, you'd finish work and you get out somewhere else. You mm. don't really hang indoors unless you have to. Um, but... I think it's for me, tasting rooms are like instrumental in the, in the industry, in the culture of craft beer. Like if you've ever been to England and you get out of the, out of the big cities into smaller towns, you go to the pub. If you want to see culture and you want to see like what a town's about, that's where you sit and you just watch and it's amazing. And there's no one demographic. Well, there's always like the old white guys, but that's kind of their thing. But, um, the tasting room is as close as we get to to an English pub. You know, especially we were just talking about Brewer's Row before we started here. Mm. It's packed. And you can't really, if you go there, well, at the nighttime, it's younger people. But during the day, it's like, there's no one demographic that just occupies the entire really? room. It's, there's mums with strollers. There's There's an old dude talking to a young dude about the way beer used to be and what it is now. There's there's so many different people that just go there and like, it's a reflection of the community. It's really, that's what I just love about, about breweries. And that's, I think the biggest, biggest thing that has changed in the last five years is really just the development of the tasting room. I think with how competitive it is now in BC, I'm talking specifically just how many breweries there are, you almost need to attack that sense of community in mm. your small little area to even get off the ground. Right. Yeah. To build a name for yourself. Yeah. Like I, I wrote an article about tasting rooms for what's brewing. Mm -hmm. I think it was, uh, probably early 2019 about like tasting room, like as a, a marketing person, this is your single most important thing for let, for letting people come in and experience your brand. Totally. Like there's no other way that you can communicate what you're about than in your tasting room. And you know, some people get it and they're definitely paying attention to it. And there's mm -hmm. other people that are just kind of created a space that you serve beer, which is important, but there's, you're missing a huge, huge opportunity to connect with your audience and create really raving loyal fans, which is the goal of, of marketing and branding mm -hmm. and breweries. Really. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> like when I turned 19, I think Granville Island was like, yeah, one of the few. Yeah, and how? Well, that was eleven years ago. 
So the craft beer scene was not what it is today, obviously. No. But I remember getting into golf, playing with Alex, like once or twice a week, and we'd just grab a 15 case of uh, Salim and Honeyburn. You mentioned Salim and yeah. Honeyburn. Salim and Honeyburn after. I would always fight after over that last one. <laughs> <laughs> so it, was a, it was 15 pack. <laughs> but like today, I would never even look twice at Sleeman Honeybrown walking down a beer aisle, right? But like no. that was something different, right? Yeah. It wasn't a Canadian. Well, it, it was flavor. like Kokanee. Yeah. There's Sleeman. And then there was um, Shaftesbury was also a, another one that my brother and I got into. But Is yeah. that a cream ale? Yeah. The cream ale. And then there's the 420 lager. Okay. Which were their, their two. And they were just off of, they were around where Four Winds is now. Like they were just on, um, what the hell is that? Oh, I didn't know that was a BC brewery. Yeah. Is it still there? Uh, I don't think so. Cause they were bought out. Okay. At the same time that Okanagan Springs were. Okay. I forget which of the big guys bought them, but they tanked Shaftesbury. And that's why you saw Okanagan Springs just explode out of nowhere because mm -hmm. they used the production facility yeah. to take off. Um, and now you see them around, but it's not the original recipe because um, Michael, I think he's a production brewer or he's a brewer at Andina now. He used to be at Fuggles okay. as a production brewer. He was part of the Shaftesbury original team. And I talked to him about it. And he's like, yeah, that's not my recipe. <laughs> he's like it's close but that's yeah, not my recipe <laughs> i love how just technology has changed mm -hmm. in such a short amount of time that we now have these outlets to talk about whatever we want like whether could you see yourself running a beer blog like 10 years ago no <clears throat> or no, having I, ten thousand followers on instagram <laughs> no <laughs> because like, you talk about beer like even when instagram came out i was so anti-instagram i'm like all people do is take pictures of their food exactly and I got on it because I just felt I needed, needed to be. Like I knew I needed to be on social media. I just finished school, um, uh, be common entrepreneurial management. And I knew that social media was a big thing. Like you could see that's where they were. And I was on Twitter. And so I just wrapped up all the handles for everything because I knew I'd need it. And, mm -hmm. and I posted on Instagram, but I didn't really do much. I focused on Twitter a lot. Um, and then I just started focusing more on Instagram. Like, Hey, this is kind of fun taking pictures, um, connecting with people. And then, you know, it starts to grow. And that's when I saw the community around Instagram, that's when I really focused hard on it. Um, and it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I really took Instagram seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was right after I met with with Tim LaHaye, who's the craft tourist. And I'm like, who the hell are you? Because you popped up out of nowhere and now you've got like 20,000 followers. <laughs> and he's like, dude, it's just, I focus all my time on it. And so I started to do the same and it just, it started to take off. And the cool thing about Instagram that I love more than the other networks is that it's a positive platform for the most part. Yeah. And everybody's supportive of each other. And that's where I found this group where we, ha we have our own, you know, Instagrammer group uh, that we're always chatting every day. There's about, yeah, about 15 or 20 of us on it. And that we're all kind of the people that are really dedicated to growing on Instagram. 
This is beer related? Beer related. Yeah. Well, okay. it's funny because we're beer related. Our accounts are beer related, but the group has turned into anything from, you know, personal successes to um, just a big love in. Like one thing that, that when the biggest time it turned into a love in is I was driving home from work, going over the Alex Fraser Bridge, and I saw a guy hanging on on the other side of the bridge and a cop talking him down. And this guy was, I don't know what happened to him, but it just set me back. And so I just fired out a message being like, hey, guys, just saw this on the way home from work. And I'd never seen something so close. Mm -hmm. I just want to thank you guys for being this group where we'll normally just throw memes at each other and make each other laugh. (laughs) But it changes your day. Like if you're having a bad day, Mm -hmm. I found this group of nerds that all share and love the same thing. And we just lift each other up whenever we need to. And it's, it's been a really cool kind of outlet. Totally. Um, and that's really, we were just talking on the elevator, the industry, like it's for sure. There's so many great people in it that you just want to be in it more than just drinking. It's so much more than just the beer. It's, it's the people within it that draw you back to it. Do you think that comes from the people that are kind of leading the class in BC or do you think it's just the like the social aspect of beer in general I don't know and I I think because there are a ton of good people in in the industry yeah and and I'm not really involved other than really enjoying beer Mm -hmm. and somehow weaseling my way into those events like Saturday (laughs) (laughs) meeting a bunch of people yeah and now starting a podcast and just talking about beer so messaging a bunch of beer people but it just seems like everyone is so over-the-top accommodating and excited to help someone out. There's obviously collabs are a big thing in the last mm-hmm. few years. And even talking about potentially like a couple breweries going in and starting a tasting room together, yeah. which would be a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know. I honestly, I, I think about that a lot. Is it is it just where that kind of mentality flocks or is, is there some X factor? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't know. Like this group of, of folks that I talk to, we just like to have fun with beer and we don't take it that seriously. And, you know, one of the things we do in that group is work on opportunities together. And if we find something that we think other people would, would work better with or, or be interested in, we involve them. And it's just this kind of outside industry that helps to support and prop up as much as we can. Um, some are more serious about it than others, but everybody's really there to, to just really support the industry on, on one level or another. It's, it's weird and interesting and exciting all, all, at, this, all at the same time. I don't, I don't have a, a real answer for, for that question. I don't know what it is, but I found some of, the, some of my best friends right now are people from that group just because they are, you know, my tribe, my nerd, whatever you want to call it. Totally. Um, it's, it's weird, but cool. Yeah. How long have you been going to those beer events for? Probably since I started, um, started blogging. So the first one my wife actually bought me, which was the very first Victoria Beer Week. It was mm-hmm. a beer and pizza tasting. I haven't been to that one, but I've heard that's a really good it's one. It's a too. really good yeah. one. Um, and I think it's just the passion behind beer 
goes back so far in Victoria. Mm-hmm. And since it's a smaller community, it's never it's not really diluted. Like it started with spinnakers and it grew from there. And it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of passionate people that have been going to that pub for forever. But um yeah, that was that was the first one. And then I just started paying for festivals. And now people invite me to come to pretty much all of them. Um which is weird because people are like, oh, that must be great. And it is great, but it's also, <laughs> it's a responsibility. Um, like, I, I don't take the free lunch. Well, I do. But, but it's a responsibility. Like, if someone's giving me something, it's a business transaction is the mm-hmm. way I see it. And you need, to, you need to support them because they're offering you something as well. Um, so I do what I can to promote the event. And anytime I, I get the free tickets, I reach out and say, okay, what do you need from me? How can I help support you? Um, Interesting enough, like the BC Beer Awards was, this was the first time in three years that they invited me in um, because they just sell out in like a week. Like they're sold out so fast that they don't really need the help promoting it. Right. Um, I would think they're looking to grow their space because I think the Croatian Cultural Center, somewhere around 2,500 people. Okay. And I was talking to them a while ago about it. And they're like, there's no real step up from that unless you want to hit like 5,000. There's no intermediate space between those two in, in Vancouver. And so, um, they'd have to double their, their capacity, which I think they could do, but that's a big jump in costs and everything. So what would the biggest one be right now? Is it hopscotch? I don't know. In size, well, Vancouver Beer Week, I think the, at that's the PME the outdoor one, yeah, I think that's the biggest in size. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't been to Hopscotch for a number of years either. Mm-hmm. Like it gets to the point where I need to slow down <laughs> on Beer Fest. Like honestly, if you factor in my trip to New York, yeah, I've been doing I, like heavily beer something every weekend for the last six and so it's like all right you need to you just slow down mike give your liver a break (laughs) (laughs) and that's mixed with r&d throughout the week right yeah (laughs) yeah i try to i i'm really trying hard not to drink during the week (laughs) monday (laughs) i'm drinking right now not trying that hard but no trying to trying to cut down on weekday drinking i made a rule that uh drinking on the podcast doesn't count it's business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's why Carla and I do three podcasts a week now. Because it doesn't, because <laughs> it doesn't just hammer it all week. Well, we're drinking and there's a rule. So <laughs> yeah, but it, it's easy to get wrapped up in, into it and drink. Like when I first started blogging, I was having like two bombers a day. It's just like, I look back and I'm like, that's stupid. That's a lot of drinking I did. <laughs> I put on a lot of weight really quickly right before my wedding. I was trying to do, was trying to do the opposite of it. <laughs> Fit in my tux still, so that's the important thing. But, do you yeah. use those events now? Obviously having the blog for five or six years. Do you use those events as like networking opportunities? 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's less about the drinking now because yeah. especially going to a couple fests in a row, you start to notice people are pouring the same stuff. Yeah. And 
I'm not faulting them. I get it. I, I would love to have something different every time, but you're a business and you also need to strategize about what the fest is, what time of year it is and that kind of thing. Um, but for me, it's largely networking now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, meeting up with other bloggers, but, um, just talking to other breweries, talking about recent things that I've done and how I could do something different for them, but along the same lines and showing that bloggers aren't just there for free handouts, which, you know, we do get them and that's nice. And we try to promote a brewery as much, but you start to, you start to elevate yourself above getting free beer and you want to do more with it. Like recently we just did that collaboration with Parkside, which I think was a wild success. Um, And it's something I wanted to do for a while. And I was really stoked to have, have uh, Tim, Malcolm and Nick go in on it with me. And we just all fully collaborated ourselves, but also with Parkside and, and, um, and also Northwest Hop Farms came in with their hops and doing it for, for a good cause, the Hospitality uh, Foundation. Um, like it couldn't have been a bigger success. And I thought it was really cool because to my knowledge, um, apart from one other, there was no other Canadian blogger brewery collaboration of this kind that was actually canned out there and, mm. and got it out there. And from what I've talked to Parkside, they thought it was awesome. I was talking to Vern, their brewer at the, at the beer awards. And he's like, it was really cool for him. It's something he was a little skeptical <laughs> about, I think, sure. but you know, there's, there's things that bloggers can do and share that breweries can't mm-hmm. marketing wise, even like we can drink a beer on, on social breweries. Can't do that. You can't have any alcohol to mouth, um, pictures or video or anything. Really? Not allowed to do it. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. So like we're able to do things that breweries aren't. Hmm. Um just because you can circumvent what's legal and what's not just by having us drink your beer. Interesting. So I did not know that at all. There's yeah, there's a number of things and that's kind of it's funny talking to different breweries cuz some breweries totally get the value of of social media. Um call us influencers if you will i prefer promoters yeah (laughs) um but you know we can we can do a lot and if a brewery even if a brewery were to put a post on on their feed saying like this beer's the best go out and drink this beer whatever you want to say everyone's gonna be like well that's your brewery of course you're gonna say that yeah but if you build an audience based on real and honest opinions Mm. um and get trusted over, you know, five, six years. If you say a beer's good or you like a beer, then people might believe you. And if they don't, they don't have to. Like, and that's the thing. Beer's subjective. Do you, <clears throat> do you put a lot of thought into being super honest versus the opportunity that maybe a brewery will reach out to you for kind of thing? Yes. So obviously there is an assumed bias when Steel and Oak or Strathcona or whoever mm-hmm. posts their beer and says this is the best new beer of the summer. Yeah. Whereas a blogger who on the surface has no affiliation other than yeah. a beer person. Yeah, it's I f- in the past I have just promoted a beer mm-hmm. relatively blindly. Mm-hmm. 
um, over the last two years, definitely three years, mostly. Um, I've worked hard to just give an honest opinion about a beer and there's, there's breweries that'll send me beer. And if, if I don't feel like it's noteworthy or that the marketing of it is interesting, or I can't do something funny with it on Instagram, mm -hmm. I just won't post about it. And I thought that was a little douchey when I started doing it where, you know, a brewery sends me six or 12, whatever mm -hmm. beer, and then I don't post anything about it. Right. But I built my audience based on showing things that are, I feel important to the industry or mm -hmm. interesting or, or noteworthy. And if I just give that up because you know, which beer is good people that try it and they're, mm -hmm. they're not afraid to call you out on it either. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's right now more than ever. It's really important to be honest and just put something out there and like you'll build an audience. I think that's the biggest thing is people are afraid of trying to be everybody's best friend and build an audience regardless of what it takes. And it's easier to say once you hit that 10,000 mark. Sure. For sure. But um, doing it with integrity and building your audience. Like I used to try and get in with every brewery out there and get beer from them and try and promote them as much as I could. And now it's, there's probably about 10 that I'm talking to consistently. And it's not that I, I choose them to work with because they give me product. Um, but it's from getting to know them and building relationships over five years. I believe in what they're doing hmm. and I feel they should be promoted in what they're doing. Um, and that's where samples and, and what have you come from is that before you ask for anything, you just talk to them and you get to totally. know them and you build a relationship and it's, you know, that's just basic business to me is relationship first, then then everything else comes. Um, but from there now, especially after the the collaboration, people are like, oh, okay, this is this is a guy that's not just posting pictures of beer. He actually wants to do other things, other ways that we can promote. Um, you know, like like that collab. It showed that a collaboration doesn't just have to be two breweries getting together well well, the brewer brews and everyone else drinks like this can be something more. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I'm really trying to do is like show that we're really valuable as social media, Instagrammers, whatever you want to call us promoters. Um, because we mainly work for free. <laughs> we're really cheap. Right. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's working to get paid at some point and I've, been lucky enough that this year I have gotten paid for for a few things that I've done but um even then it's 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 work and it's constantly wanting to hustle to to create the next thing whatever that is it's yeah it's a crazy crazy world where creativity doesn't really hold me hold you back from doing anything there's so many questions I need to ask right now <laughs> I, okay, I wanted to ask you, first of all, there's a few questions, but yeah, I'm someone who believes, well, through trial and error over the last maybe five or six years of my career, 
honesty always wins in every situation, even Absolutely. if the short-term outcome is not easy to get through. Mm-hmm. When you give breweries honest feedback, let's say they give you, let's say they send you six different beers, yep. post about one of them, mm-hmm. the other five don't get any screen time. <laughs> yeah. What is their reaction when, or if your feedback is, eh, this is a pretty mediocre one, I can't really talk about this, honestly. Um. And do you for the say most that part, there, some I do. Okay. Um, there's some, and I hope I don't offend anyone saying this, but there's some that are a little protective, overly protective of their beer, and I get that. Sure. Um, but if you don't give um, feedback, like honest feedback, no one's going to improve. For sure. And there's there's some breweries that literally say fuck you there's nothing wrong with my beer mm-hmm. and there's other breweries that say hey i really appreciate that that's that's cool we'll we'll let the team know and they'll take that into consideration mm-hmm. um that said i don't just say this beer sucks you should all just give up some people will phrase it in similar ways right um but i say hey this one wasn't for me um like if i'm given a half there's off the bat, there's a 72% chance that I will not like it because that's just not a style I like. Interesting. Okay. And I'll still drink it because there's been times that I've been absolutely surprised. Um, but if I don't like it, I'm like, Hey, it's, it's not for me. Um, and then there's sometimes that I just, the beers, I feel like it's off or something like I don't have the actual Cicerone training to know what's off about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if I don't like it, I'll just say, I don't like it, and this is why. In my opinion, if it came off this way, it might be a little better, but that's just me. I purposely don't educate myself deeply in beer because I try to speak to the layman of the industry and not speak above the crowd, which I feel like a lot of people that, if if you are trained as a Cicerone or a beer server or anything, you start to use adjectives that are just or can be intimidating or throw people off and if you just say it tastes like banana like okay i know what a banana is i can i can deal with that but if you're like oh it's a hint of plantain it's like get out of here (laughs) idiot that's that's actually one of the things that i've i've found that i really like about the beer industry is that in most tasting rooms that you go to people talk in layman's terms for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term but We'll talk in real words about the beer, yeah. whereas things like wine and sommeliers and stuff like that, often there is this arrogant, pretentious type yeah. of, uh, and, and if you don't know a ton about wine, they almost like scowl at you kind of thing. Whereas beer, yeah. I don't find that. Beer, if someone walks in, like I've seen older people walk into tasting rooms and be like, I usually like lagers. Can you just, like I drink Budweiser. Can you just give me something? Yeah. They'll be like, oh, we'll try this one. It has, you know, it's a little bit more flavorful, a little bit more malty, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of like an exciting opportunity for the, uh, from what I've seen mm-hmm. for these people rather than just like, oh, go drink your shitty well, Budweiser. It's fun too. Like I, yeah. I helped sort of, well, worked with two, two different breweries and in, in working in their tasting room. And um, part of that is just fun when you're passionate about beer finding someone that's not really knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but really interested. And you're just like, okay, this is what you like. Try this one and try this one. What do you think about this sour? And most of the time they'll hate it, but then like take another sip and they're like, oh, right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's so many people who are like, I hate stouts, but then you give them a coffee stout and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's cool. And you really find that in the beer industry. Like back when in my early twenties, I got my level one sommelier because I was dating a girl whose stepdad was Italian and not liking <laughs> wine was a threat to my life. So <laughs> I had to know it. But like, there's a joke in my family because the, my parents live up in Whistler and they have the cornucopia event. And that one event, and the guy was explaining a wine, and the term that the guy used was school marmish. Like, what the hell <laughs> I have no is clue. school marmish? I don't understand this. Tell me a real term. <laughs> and so, yeah. Did you ever learn what school marmish was? Still don't know. I can't even conceptualize <laughs> what school marmish is like. Does it taste like person? Because that's not really <laughs> something I want to. I want to know. But yeah, it's it's funny what people come up. Do you guys want to know what the definition yes. is? Yeah, yeah. A female school teacher, especially of the old time country school type, popularity held to be strict and priggish. How the fuck does that relate to wine? Drink <laughs> <What>? beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's weird. But yeah, we don't need those descriptions in beer. That's ridiculous. Just get real with me. What types of beers do you find yourself steering towards? Ooh. And have you found yourself become like more open-minded with the blog, do you think? Yeah. Because someone like me, I, I don't have a beer blog. I drink what I like. Yeah. And I find myself sticking to like, let's say four to six different types of beer. I love in the winter porters and stouts. Yeah. I love in the summer hefts and saisons. Yep. Throughout the year, I'll kind of go back and forth through a bunch of them. But I'm not usually a sour guy, but I'm okay. becoming more open-minded. But if I go into a beer store, I'm probably not picking out a sour because I haven't had a ton of experience with right. successful ones that I've liked. What do you think of this one? Unbelievable. Right? Well, you know what? <laughs> First opened my mind, back to Four Winds. Yeah. Congratulations. You, they have a phenomenal brewery. Yeah. And the, what is their sour that is like kind of not as sour? It's a pretty good transition beer for people that don't <sighs> maybe love sours. I can't remember. I'm going to think of the name eventually. I forget it yeah. right now. You'll just blurt it out yeah. 10 minutes from now. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but this is this is delicious. Yeah. It's not overly sour. Like, no. I had, a, I had a few, um, two or three maybe at the beer event on Saturday. Yeah. That were like, yeah, kind of make you pucker. In intense. It was like a strawberry sour one that I had. Um, and those aren't my favorite. I can't drink a whole glass even of it. Right. But this is phenomenal. What do you think? I've never had a sour in my life, mm. so my mind is blown right now. This is delicious. So right? good, right? And it's a strong beer. Like, why is, is it been, strong? I don't know. What's yeah, say? maybe six, six and a half percent. Six and a half. Oh. That's strong. not strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think over six percent, you have to say strong beer, but that's like average. Is it I over think, six? Yeah, okay. I think mm. uh, someone knows the rule. Mm. What types do you find yourself steering towards? See, it really depends. Seasonal too. It's it's seasonal. Like an ESB is my go-to okay. drink anytime beer. Um, yeah, like Steel and Oak when they first had their ESB, that was just I consumed growlers upon growlers of that thing. Um, they cut it, hey? Yeah, it's seasonal now. Mm. Which is you know really... what? Back to the honest opinion of beer. When Steel and Oak started five, just over five years ago, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I was just getting into real estate with Jamie, and. So he gave me a tour of the brewery like maybe six months before it opened and we tried a bunch of the beer 
the smoke TEF was there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the RCA was there at the beginning. The ESB was the only one where I went, meh. But it's just different pro- flavor well, profiles, right? It's Everyone, an easy, like it's not, it's not offensive. Yeah. Um, for it, me though, right? It wasn't anything special yeah. to me, but it wasn't. No, it, it's not a bad. But beer. it's a. That's the thing about an ESB is it's. I feel like not a lot of people do it, and if they do do it, they don't call it an ESB because anytime you put bitter in the title of a beer, people are like, "Oh, it's so bitter." Exactly. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something with a little more hop than than like a pale. Yeah. And it's not quite an IPA. Yeah. Um, and it just sits there in the middle really nicely. There's a couple people that do it well. Um, so that's what I will gravitate to, but I'll drink anything. Like, I can't really, like, I love sours. First time I had a sour, I was wondering what the fuck is in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like um, Carl just experienced yeah, us. Yeah. See, this one, this <laughs> one's amazing. Like the first sour I ever had was the Flanders Red by, uh, Driftwood, I think. And this was when I was just buying random bombers. Didn't know what it was. Just wanted to try as many things, and I took a swig of it. I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, for people that are listening, we haven't mentioned this beer. So this is Fieldhouse wi- uh, Whiskey Sour. Is that yeah, what it's called? The Whiskey Ooh. Sour Ale. And they did something special with the BC Beer Awards. Yeah. Which made you? I didn't get to try it. You told me about they it. And it I on, ran over there, and they said it was nitro. It was yeah. Done. I think I had. I think I had three. So one of those was probably yours. Well, you drink one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just, it's a really interesting style. Um, what else do I drink? Can I think like I've, I've been on a Pilsner kick until it got kind of cold here and then I'm off that. But um, now, yeah, we're making the transition into darker porters, stouts. I do like porter a lot. Me too. Not a lot of people make, porters right they just go full on to stout and like porters are really interesting style when when properly when properly made i guess every beer is interesting when properly made but yeah it's i was looking for one today i only went to one liquor store but i couldn't find one i went in there looking i wanted to just get a couple yeah i wanted to get that one so i'm lucky it was there that sour uh, and then I was like, maybe one IPA, maybe one porter. Just yeah. to kind of se- spread it out. But I couldn't find one. That's really weird. You know? Huh. This is the time of year that they start. Oh, yeah. Out. Maybe it's just like maybe probably in a stuff. week or two, you'll probably yeah. see the shelves flooded. Yeah. Which I'm okay with. In So I, my parents used to run sports bars throughout Greater Vancouver. Okay. But this was, I stopped working at them in probably 2013 maybe so it's kind of like the time that you started the blog basically Mm -hmm. and how craft beer was kind of just emerging so it was a lot of older white guys yep sat at the bar and drank canadian and coors light and Mm -hmm. kokanee all day the biggest (laughs) even in talking to like friends parents the biggest uh like complaint or hesitation i find with older people is I don't like craft beer. It's too hoppy. <laughs> it's, yeah. too, it's too bitter. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> there's there's quite a few different types of beer. Like, yeah. you don't have to have the bitter ones. It's just, I don't know. Do you get? You do. Guess, and it's interesting because, like, I think it's a generational, like, people like what makes them feel safe. Sure. 
Um, like even, even my dad, uh, I feed him a number of different beer, <laughs> but like he lives, yeah, up in, up in Whistler on the Nicholas North golf course. He's like, there's nothing better after a round of golf than a kokanee. And I think it's more <laughs> than the flavor of the beer. Like it's, it's a nostalgic thing that For takes sure. you back. And that's just what he drank after, after a round of golf or after mowing the lawn or whatever. That's just, that flavor takes you back to a place of comfort. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's what it is. And you'll get some transitions along the way. And I've tried to find as many different light loggers craft that that i could but anytime i go up there i open the fridge i'm like oh there's <laughs> there's <laughs> he's getting better actually with with whistler up there and coast but but still there'll be some kokanee there'll be some corona for my mom and you know what i don't care enough yeah. to change someone's mind like my whole thing is drink what makes you happy totally if you're happy drinking drinking craft then drink craft if you if you just want to have a light beer that tastes like piss go drink <laughs> that girl <laughs> no it doesn't and you know what I'll, I'll drink whatever like my wife's family's from small town alberta um camrose if you know it and there's a lot of a lot of canadian slung around there and like i'm not gonna turn down a beer like, it's just, it's whatever makes you happy is what you drink. If you want to just pound down a whole bunch of beer, go for some macro and that's fine. I try and bring examples of other beer out as much as I can, but it really doesn't matter enough to actually insult someone on their preference of <laughs> no, beer. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's really much bigger <laughs> things to worry about than what someone drinks. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was the same, great. I mean, well, he still kind of is. But he used to only have Molson Canadian in the fridge. Mm -hmm. And so as I started getting into craft beer, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, I would bring like Granville Island and other yeah. stuff and he'd be like, oh, no, I'm not going to try that. But at that, to be fair, at that time, it was like a Granville Pale or a Granville Hef. So it was different, yeah. different styles of beer. And then I remember, I don't know, it was probably like six months or a year ago at a family party. He... uh because I used to give him a hard time about it. I'm like, you yeah. got to broaden your horizons. You got to be more open-minded. Like, this is all you drink. There's a lot better product out there. And so at some family party, someone's birthday or something, he pulls out a six-pack of Red Truck Lager. I'm like, Dad, you're doing it. You're making the jump. But his face was, he was just so excited that he yeah, got something different. Yeah, I know the yeah. look. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's cool. Like, yeah, my my dad doesn't like sours. He doesn't like anything fruity. Sure. It's difficult to go from Molson Canadian to like a hoppy IPA. No. It's, right? Or or a sour. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's, two different worlds. It's too much. Yeah. But like a good Kolsch. Yeah. Like a good Pilsner or a good yeah. lager. There's so many of them now. There is. Locally too. No matter where you are, someone's got an example of it. Doesn't matter where you go. Can you imagine how bored you would have been if you were a beer blogger 20 years ago? I mean, like, I don't even know. Like, well, <laughs> Here's a Coors Light. It tastes exactly <laughs> yeah. like the fucking no, coconut I drank like yesterday. Three breweries. Yeah. You'd have, you'd have, no, four that I can think of. There's Granville Island, Lighthouse. I think they just turned 21. They're so they, that old. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, Spinnakers. Yeah. Is Okanagan, well, Okanagan, uh, I guess, I don't know how old. 
They're probably Okanagan around Springs that year, are. too, around the Granville Island age. Yeah, but there's a couple that are older. House Sound, I think. I don't know how. They've been around a while. I want to say House Sound was like 90, 91. I kind of think that's about right. Like 28, 29 years kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, there's been some staples, but. But they probably weren't doing a pumpkin beer in 1990? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> see, I'd love to actually look back and see what they were serving at that what their time. lineup like, was what like. were people actually drinking then and enough that you could sustain a business totally the how the how sound brewery is 96 96 96 okay, okay. Wow. i think granville island was 89 granville island is 84 that old wow. yeah hmm. yeah that's kind of the year craft beer started which is interesting because that's the year that i was born so mm. i think it's all kismet <laughs> makes sense <laughs> Yeah, because that's, I think it was 81, 82 that the Troller Pub opened up in Horseshoe Bay. And that's when John Mitchell, who just passed this this last year, um, you know, he fought the legislation and the government and everything to be able to open up small production brewery, brew pub. And then from there, Spinnaker's was the first brew pub in, in Canada, I think. And then it all just took off from there. But 84 was Spinnaker's. Oh, um. Vancouver Island is 84 as well. They would have been around then as well. I didn't know that were they, they were that old too. Yeah. Do you want to try that other one? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. I'm a huge fan of Strange Fellows, yeah. I used to, like, my, my wife's a theater performer. And two years back, she was in Theater Under the Stars. And the rehearsal space is, like, two blocks away from... Um, from Strange Fellows. And we just have one car because we don't have kids and we don't feel like having two cars would be a responsible choice right now. Um, and so I would just drive her there or she would transit there and because I worked out here. Um, I just sit in Strange Fellows and casually drink for two hours so I could still drive home. Fellow, is that Aaron? You know the owner? I don't. He's know. the guy with the long hair, I think. Yeah, I don't know them that well, okay. and it's funny because I'd always talk to them on on Instagram, but I'd never, I haven't actually met the team there. I drunkily went up to, I think it was Aaron. I drunkily went up to him on Saturday <laughs> evening and uh, told him I was going to email him to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's well, like, "Yeah, man, no problem." Yeah, we'll it's do it. funny how people are are so supportive in that way for sure which makes sense because it's like it's free publicity right yeah it's crazy how how there's actually a number of breweries that just don't care and don't want any part in it. which is fine because you'll come around later when other breweries that are supportive of social media or instagram or bloggers podcasters that all we want to do is share your story. Exactly. That's exactly. Like it, we're super nerds about the story behind the scene mm -hmm. and we just want to share it and share our passion with other people and hope to convert them. I figured out, I learned the most by talking to people and hearing how they've accomplished things. Yeah. And so literally that is why I started the podcast. One, to force me to talk to more people. Yep. 
and two to just share stories. Yeah. Whether it's a beer blogger or a real estate company or what, who, like whatever it is. Yeah. Because I find a lot of those characteristics or little things you pick up along the way mm -hmm. are so versatile across the board of yeah. whatever you're doing, right? Yeah, for sure. Even personal life, like stuff you learn in business is valuable in personal life relationships too. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Like I was just in New York last week for, it was my wife's 15 year reunion for musical theater. She went to school out in New York and um, just talking to a, a couple of the people, some of them have done quite well um, in theater. One of, I think two of them made it to Broadway. Um, and another one, uh, she was Japanese and I totally forget her name right now and I'm horrible with names. So that's my defense. <laughs> um, but we were just talking about like travel and how people aren't different. You just come from different places for sure. And like your, your stresses, your, your insecurities, everything, mm -hmm. your stories are so similar and relatable. Mm -hmm. And the more people you talk to, the more, um, the more depth you have in the way you handle your life and the way you handle situations or like just by talking to someone, you can remember like, Oh, I remember talking to this person about this problem. And now I think I have a similar problem. I'm going to give them a call. For sure. Like, what did you do? And then it comes back and it's like, Oh, Hey, look, a resource on life. It's just, it's interesting how everything's, everything's connected, <laughs> but not to be a stoner, but. It's kind, of, it's kind of like, it kind of is. It's all interestingly connected just from listening to people's stories and helping them tell their story in, in a way that maybe they haven't seen or the way that you've experienced their story. Mm -hmm. Let's quickly talk about your story. I know okay. you had to run in 10 minutes. Um, oh, I got time. Beer blog. Beer blog. Six years ago. You said it's just kind of exploded expanded in the last year or two mm -hmm. what can you look back and try to figure out like what what was that difference and kind of in blowing it up now it's um, at almost eleven thousand followers coming up on 11 you're getting paid Get, I've, I've made some money this year um i've been yeah i've got other opportunities that are looking to pay mm -hmm. And writing for like three or four different blogs too. Yeah, uh, what's or brewing? Uh, I'm starting to work with with the Growler a bit now, and then here for beer. This, it's I think it it's a PR firm that's kind of running it through Beer Canada, who is more of a an industry stats resource is what I'd use them for. Yeah, um, but this is more of their social channel where their goal is to um, become that place of discussion for the craft beer industry in Canada. So they reached out to me and they, they're like, Hey, we've been watching you. We love what you're doing. We love your personality. Um, would you be interested in writing for us? And I'll be like, yeah, for pay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't really, well, kind of like that, but no, it, it, now there's an ask with it because like I have a day job that is bloody busy and the time I devote to to social media, blogging, writing, whatever is, is a huge premium. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm at the point where I don't really, I do stuff for free, but I don't do new things for free. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I get a lot of requests 
every day I get someone saying, hey, we see that you're doing whatever. We'd love for you to promote our product. I'd be like, great, send it to me. And now I have this little asterisk saying, if you want me to, to promote it, it's 50 bucks, either in product or cash or both. Whatever you want to do, it's 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And some bite and some are like, oh, let me check with the owners. And they never get back to you. Yeah. Because like, and it's only if, if I actually see the relationship between my brand and the product. For sure. You know, like I did a, my wife was out of town and I did this little bit on these anti-hangover pills. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So many of those. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> but they paid me 50 bucks and they gave me a bottle of these pills and my wife was out of town. I'm like, all right. So I did a lot, like a story about it where I just got drunk and drank beer and <laughs> wrote an ode to beer on the piano <laughs> and uh, woke up in the morning and just felt like shit. Um, but I was able to see the connection between the product and what I do and it created some funny content and I got a lot of, a lot of attention out of it. So I, it's a win for me, I guess me at the end saying the product doesn't work, um, isn't a win for them, but do you use any cannabis? I don't. Have you tried CBD oil? Uh, only on mosquito bites. <laughs> <laughs> Did it work? My, it's funny because it my mom, yeah, actually, my mom <laughs> and has used it because she has arthritis. Um, she makes my dad go in the store to get it because she won't be seen in a dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but both my mom and dad use it for their joints. Yeah, I've heard. And use it they're like, it's the only thing they'll use. Mm -hmm. And she's like, now my mom with CBD cream. Yeah. She's like, um, from my big fat Greek wedding, there's the dad with the Windex. Yeah. That's yeah. my mom <laughs> with CBD cream. It's so but it works. Like, we've had a what? couple people who work in the cannabis industry on the podcast, and we have another one coming up. And one of the guys brought us a bottle of their CBD oil that they use. And... I've never really experienced much with cannabis, but Carl does. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was pretty, I was actually pretty, I guess like a little bit blown away on how good it actually is. Yeah. And I haven't done a ton of scientific research into <laughs> if it's bad for you or good for yeah. you or whatever. People tell me it's natural and it's good for you. I don't know. But the anyway, the oil, one of the things he said on the podcast was, I was just asking him like what it does. What have people said it works for them? Yeah. Arthritis is is a big one. Some jo joint pain, muscle pain, uh, even just like dealing with anxiety and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. People have said it helps them. Uh, but one of the things he's like, uh, he's like, I can't really like say that it does this, but I've noticed with myself that it yeah. helps with hangovers. <laughs> so occasionally, when I'm hungover, I'll use it in the morning, and it just kind of like clears your head a little bit. So I don't know if it's a hangover cure or that's just kind of what it does. But are we ever going to see CBD infused beer? hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. People are working on it now. Mm -hmm. um, I think with the, like the next level of legalization. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if it's allowed or some version, but I know there's, there's people that are definitely working on it. Um, there's a brewery. I think they're working on getting their own space, but, um, Lifted is the name of the beer. You might have seen it. Mm -hmm. They use terpenes. Okay. Um, so there's nothing in it. It's just the the 
the flavor and the aromatic compound of it. And it created a nice citrus beer. Hmm. Um, I think they're brewing out of Craft Collective right now because they can't get their own space or don't have their own space. But it's interesting if that hmm. like I'm I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm interested in it. It's just not something I ever did mm-hmm. and that was ever really interested in same as me and i'm more just like with the podcast now that we're doing more just open-minded yeah through talking to a bunch yeah. of different people and i saw an article on facebook actually i think yesterday or the last couple of days that I th- canada's first this might be wrong carl you can correct me canada's first cbd drink is coming out this fall it's called flow have you heard of that i heard something I think it was F L like flow F L O W. I don't know. Carl's googling. It sounds it. interesting and familiar. Hmm. So I would assume that's going to translate over to beer eventually. The first thing that comes up for me is Molson Coors Hexo to launch CBD infused water THC drinks later this year. So I guess Molson Coors are doing something. Well, they've got the money to totally. Yeah. They've probably been researching that for years already. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting bunch of high drunk people <laughs> well but that's See what about, happens there that's the thing about most of so what abby who was on the podcast was talking about is that most of the what are they called carl what is like the name of cbd versus thc versus whatever oh, i can't i can't remember cannabinoids right yeah there you so go. most cannabinoids and there i think he said there's 101 yeah in Over the 100. marijuana in the plant wow most of them d- are, don't produce a high THC is one of like the, I can't remember the number, four or six hmm. of the 101 that produce a high. But now, because people have experienced so much with CBD, they're experiencing with the other ones and finding a ton of health benefits with them that don't produce highs like CBD does not. Interesting. That's really neat. Mm. Yeah. I, I know. I'm just curious. I don't to know learn anything more, about really. it because it's just not something I ever played with. I just mm. drank. Like, like in high school, I drank. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's interesting. We'll see what happens. I know there's people, like I know there's a number of brewers that experiment with the herb. Totally. So they're going to start throwing it in the beer. Why not? Because mm. like hops are in the same family right. as cannabis. So mm. I thought you might have known that. Carl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're from this. Same family, I guess. So, okay. Last thing I want to ask you about with the blog, mm-hmm. just in terms of, I know, um, obviously, running the podcast, I've com- connected with other people that run podcasts in Greater Vancouver. And just the like psychology of getting over, I guess it's like building a little bit of confidence in terms of providing value to people, but like how to start asking for money through sponsorships and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it comes, especially with the group that I talk to, it comes easier to me because I'm in sales. Sure. Like I'm always, always be closing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But first thing I I do with, well, this is business and in the blog, which I guess is business as well. Um, Always provide value first. And I think I've spent enough time doing that. And so people can see my value and they know me uh, now. Like they can, they know me or they know people that have worked with me, but it's easier when you're not face to face and sure. you just say, yeah, this is my fee. Yeah. And 
it's just one of those things where you have to be confident in your own, in the value that you bring. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing that's tricky now, and I'm talking to a couple of people that I'm closer with that run breweries or, or restaurants or whatever, and, and it's proving that value. And just that's, and finding the price point, because there isn't really, you can't really look up what your price point is, what <laughs> right. you should charge. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if you're going to sell a place, you can, there's metrics to value for sure a, a house or a condo or a business or whatever. There's no real metrics. And so like before, that's what I said, like 50 bucks just to post. And I think that's undervaluing, but I play around with that where I keep raising it and raising it and raising it. And then someone says, well, that's way too much. This guy's asking for this much. And like, okay, drop it back. Um, but it's really just asking and being like, know that you provide a value. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you have 500 followers or you have 10,000 followers, there's value that you provide. Mm -hmm. Um, and most people will look at what they're doing as a hobby. And I know they do because I talk to a lot of them doing similar to what I'm doing, but like, oh, it's just a hobby. And you can look at social media as that. And you can look at social media as, as just a place to share stuff and get to know people. I look at it as a business. Like I don't have a personal Instagram account. Mm -hmm. I have the beer Raider, and that's as close as I get to my, my personal account. But it's a persona. It's not fully me. It's a persona that I've put on and a brand I've created. And there's value in what I, what I provide. And it's just looking at what you do as a business. I think it's the biggest thing is it's a business. If you're in this to make money, which I am trying to do, um, you just say, you know what? I built for five years, I built an audience based on A, B, and C. And I think this is what, what I'm worth. And you get a lot of people that say no. And some people might not be willing to work with you again, but if they're not willing to work with you, they probably never will be willing to work with you. Sure. And it's just one of those, it's a, it's a sales gig. The way I see it is you find the people that are willing to work with you. And then when you get your opportunity, you over deliver mm -hmm. and you show the value that they can get. And then, then you have an example of what you can do. And then mm -hmm. you pitch that to someone else being like, I did this for a, I can do this, but we can tweak it to make it more like yours. Can you give us an example of like what that metric kind of looks like for you? So are you, are you talking about like impressions? Are you talking about comments? Are you talking about when you're, when you're saying, okay, here, ABC, yeah. well, that's actually a brewery, so we're not going to say that. <laughs> that's actually a brewery now. <laughs> Damn them. <laughs> Smarter than I thought. <laughs> okay, Brewery X. Yeah. I did this for Brewery Y. What are, like, what are, what's that conversation look like? And more, I just, you don't know that you need to give exact yeah. numbers and stuff like that, but more just like, what, what are the topics that you're bringing up just to kind of help other potential right. bloggers down the road kind of thing? Um, it's really, it comes from anything from if you're just asking to get your first samples from a brewery, mm -hmm. like I've got a three or four different pitches that I have saved on my computer that I, that I tweak. And it's not that I, I'm creating a form letter. It's that this is just what I believe yep. and it, depending on what the situation is. And so someone's willing to give you beer to promote. And once you reach a certain level, 500 might be a bit low, 1,000 
definitely you can ask for some samples in exchange for promotion. Um, there are breweries that I know would bite on that. I won't share it on here, but there are breweries that I know that not that they're suckers, but they're, they're actually, they get the value that totally. even someone with 500 followers can provide. Especially if you're the demographic, right? Yes, absolutely. Totally. Um, and then there's, there's things like, like the collab that, um, that we organized with Parkside. Mm -hmm. I've now got five other breweries that are interested in doing the same thing where That's awesome. I, I know that it's not a pitch coming from nowhere because I've built relationships with these breweries, but I said, Hey guys, I love what you're doing. Um, but I, I feel like you're not getting the attention that you deserve, mm -hmm. which I honestly believe. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know if, if you saw, but we just did this, this crazy collab with Parkside and it just took off. And especially the launch party, we had basically every blogger or Instagrammer that could be there in their space, posting about it, blogging about it, whatever it is. And then the beer was released. Same thing. Like you've probably seen internet famous come out on the feed just mm -hmm. every day. Someone else is doing it. And us as bloggers repost that. And what I really want to do, and I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I wasn't prepared to collect it when I was doing it was actually collect the data behind it. Totally. And that's what people are really looking for. Like the, no one's really asked me for that yet. But any data you can collect on it is, is huge. Being able to provide an actual measurable um, statistic on your exposure or the reach that you have. Isn't that part of the challenge, though? Because you, you can go to your Instagram if you have a business page and go look at insights. Yep. You can see like X amount of impressions per week. Yep. This post got this many impressions, whatever, yep. whatever. But what does an impression mean to someone who's going to buy beer or whatever, right? Well, that's... That's the thing. And that's one thing I'm really struggling with. Um, because yeah, you can see like, and now I've got 10,000. So there's the swipe up function on yeah. stories, which is huge. Huge. Um, especially if you're working with a PR agency and there's a couple of them in town that, that work with people like myself. And especially if you have a blog, they're interested in working with you, but a lot of them are interested in that swipe up where you can actually drive traffic to a very specific source. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, no one's really asked for the data that I have. Right. Except when I did the, the gig with Brew Loops up in, up in Kamloops through uh, BC Ale Trail, as well as um, uh, Tourism Kamloops jointly sent me up there for the weekend. And they're the ones, part of my deal was actually sending screenshots of all my stories mm. I don't think they knew how many stories I do. So I sent them like 50 screenshots. <laughs> um, just with eyes that are seeing them. They just want to see how many people. They, well, they, yeah. And I think it's, it's part of the relationship. If like I go up there and, and do my thing and they actually paid me above and beyond um, just sending me there and taking care of expenses. Mm -hmm. um, they want to see, is it worth it? Totally. And I think it was like I, my, all my posts and everything did very well, but um, it's really just to find the work you have to be willing to put in the time. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's really like I'm throwing out a bunch of cliches <laughs> here, but it's just one of those things. It's a sales gig. Like talk to as many people as you can, yeah. form as many relationships as you can. As soon as you find one that you click with, 
work it. And from deep down, like make sure that they fit with what you want to promote, have a plan on, on who you are and what you're doing. Like don't just put beer out there. Mm -hmm. There's enough accounts that take a picture of a beer can next to the glass. Totally. <laughs> That's, that doesn't provide value. Yeah. What really turned it on for me, actually, now that, I, now that I'm thinking about it, is when I turn the camera around mm -hmm. to take pictures of me instead of taking pictures of beer. Mm -hmm. And I thought I took some pretty good pictures, but there's always someone that's going to take a better picture than you. Mm -hmm. There's always someone that's going to write better copy than you. Um, or have a better hand tattoo like Jake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, there's brand recognition right there. Um, and that was my big thing is when I saw that happening, I'm like, shit, I need to do something that's defensible. And the only thing that can defend you above anyone else is yourself. Totally. And so ever since I did that, like as soon as I turn that camera around and there's a picture of me doing something stupid or hilarious, depending <laughs> on what side of the coin you're at. Yeah. If you're in my wife's camp, it's stupid. If you're in mine, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, my engagement doubled with one post without me having to try at all. Um, and so I'm like, oh shit, I guess this is what I do now. And, and from there, like I've actually created a brand that's myself. Mm. Um, but then you're different from everyone else. Yeah. Like there's just, I like looking at pictures of beer because I like seeing the labels like, oh, I was going to thinking of buying that. And then it's go, oh, that's what it looks like. But there's so much of that out there that it's just, it's not defensible brand wise. Someone can easily do the same thing and do it better than you mm -hmm. and you're gone. So I can't remember the name of the account right now, but I follow someone who <clears throat> he's got like a dark slash turning white beard. And he just posts like a 60 second video every couple days of him opening a beer. It's just a video on him opening yeah. a beer, pouring it in the glass and drinking it and talking about it. So like the video aspect and to have an actual mm -hmm. conversation with the camera yeah, could be a pretty cool idea too. Yeah. Like it's, it's as easy as that. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is figure out who you want to be, what your brand is. Mm -hmm. um, talk and network. Mm -hmm. Like network like crazy. And it's easy on Instagram. If you're watching totally. TV, just send messages to mm -hmm. people, breweries, bloggers, um, anyone. And then find those opportunities. Once you get one, just, go hard at it and make sure that you're doing it right and doing the best job you possibly can. You don't need the best camera. You don't need fancy equipment. You don't need anything. You just need to put out the best content you can mm -hmm. and try different things. Once you find something that works, go down that road. Inevitably, Instagram will change their algorithm, which means you need to change your tactic and be aware of when the algorithm changes and what those changes are. Mm -hmm. um, and then experiment again. And you're going to have to keep shifting and zigzagging your way to find it, but you do. And then along the way, you'll find fans, mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to say, but like, I have fans. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I was at, at the BC Beer Awards. <clears throat> Some people came up to me and they're like, I am such a fan. I'm like, that's a really weird thing to hear, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I deserve it, but I guess if, if you're a fan and it's, I, it really means a lot when someone says that because a, I'm a middle child and so I'm not used to being recognized <laughs> <laughs> and, and B it's like, I'm, I'm doing this partially for myself because it's a creative outlet. Um, B because I really feel like breweries that are 
doing the right thing and focusing on the right things deserve the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, it's just fun. Like these are the main reasons I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to build a lot of followers, even though I do. Um, it's just weird to have fans. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll end on this. Uh, obviously, we know about 33. P49. Mm-hmm. Uh, four win. Like, for all the big names in BC. Yeah. Who do you think in the next year to two is going to blow up? Like, super underrated. Could be newer. You can pick more than one if you want. Underrated uh, breweries. Underrated. BC specific. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to the brewery of the year, which is Quantland Polytechnic. And they're a brewery slash school. Yeah. But if you've actually had their beer, because yeah. they do have growler fills. I think it's Fridays. Um, it's really good beer. And now that one. they've won Brewery of the Year, I'm really interested to see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? It's hard. I was, so as a beer enthusiast, I really enjoy beer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't even know they sold beer. Quantlin. So I was at the the beer awards and yeah. saw that they won and I thought it was kind of a joke to be honest <laughs> so they're like Quantly Poly- Quantly Polytechnic University come up and I'm like what <laughs> what do you mean I knew like obviously I knew they had the school and the degree yeah. there but I didn't know they make sense they sell beer because they produce it so yeah yeah no it's it's quality beer it's mm. you know if you're out here it's all the way out in Langley for me I'm in White Rock so it's half hour away Yeah, which I still don't get there enough um but what I've had, I've been really, really impressed. Do they bought like can and bottle or no? I don't. It's think just so. growlers on I Fridays. Think it's just growlers. Okay. okay. Um, and it might not just be Fridays anymore, but that's what it used to be. Okay. Um, I'm just thinking about one more. You know who I'm really interested in? Because that was an easy one. Because they won BC Brewery. I know here. that was too easy. <laughs> and it's funny. The other one I'm thinking of is still like Rookie of the Year. So that's that's another who won out. Rookie of the Year? Uh, Il Sauvage. Okay. On the island. Yeah. Yeah. Big on sours, um, but no one's really attacked sours like they have, mm-hmm. and really interested in what they're doing in year two. Year one, they some really hit it out of the park. If you like sours, like if I have a sour that melts my face, I'm happy. It's probably not up your alley. And there's some of them there. Some of them <laughs> are just great beer, but some of them are like, holy shit, this is intense. You got to sip it. Um. But outside of the BC Beer Award standout winners, who do we think? It's hard to say. Like, there's a lot of experimentation out of there. Mm-hmm. That's what I find. Because if you ask me that same question, I don't know how I'd answer it. Because it's more like often individual breweries will have individually phenomenal beers throughout the year. Right? Yes. Like, Steel and Oak's a good example for me because I know them and I drink a lot of their beer. Mm-hmm. But they've done a few phenomenal seasonals this year. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure others are doing this. Like, it seems like that is the trend that you have like yeah. four staples throughout the year. And then every four to eight weeks, you're producing you new beer out. all the time. And right? see, that's kind of where I see the industry is everybody's experimenting right now. Because if you look back, 
three or four years now, you had like the summer of the IPA yeah. where it was all about who could melt your face off. Your know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the next yeah. summer was like summer of the sour. Everybody was getting big into kettle sours and trying to do that thing. And it was um, tons of good and also equally bad sours <laughs> out there. Um, and then since then, you haven't really had a style that's really just been out there. And so everybody's just experimenting, trying to find the the latest thing. And then when someone stumbles upon something that gets attention, everybody tries to copy it. Two or three of them do a good job of it. The rest of them make an okay example of it. Yeah. But there's so much experimentation out there. Like last, uh, on the weekend I had purgatory out of, um, Steamworks. Yeah. Amazing beer. Hmm. I haven't had it. It's, it's bottled. It's, it's one of the more spendy bottles, but totally worth it. Um, bakery that's out of, mm -hmm. um, Port Moody right now. They're doing some really awesome, interesting things, mm -hmm. which leans more towards the nerdy side, but that's, that's my jam. Um, almost seems like that's where it's going though. Right. How yeah. Do you, how do you stand out? You can't stand out by producing a hazy IPA anymore because everyone has everyone seven of them. Has yeah, and they're right. all recently good. Yeah, or decently good. Yeah. Um, what I think now is really interesting is just where the industry is getting. Now we're past that five year mark. Yeah, we're getting into the point where you can specialize. Yeah, and you can be super niche and survive. Like port the Portland scene, right? Yeah, and that's that's where you're getting. Like Portland's obviously way past there yeah. where if you want imperial barrel aged stouts there's <laughs> yeah. one brewery that that's yeah. all that they do i don't yeah. think we're quite there but you know if you look at say um my buddy tristan who's running temporal ales out of il sauvage yeah he's doing really awesome mixed fermentation stuff mm -hmm. and i don't know if that would work on itself but since he's working with um did i say il sauvage i meant lupolo Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on a Lupolo. Um, he's doing really awesome stuff there. So you're starting to see a bit of specialization. And I think that's kind of where the industry is going. Like, yeah, even Neil Sauvage is more sour than than maltier beer. And you're gonna start seeing people just do know they're good at one thing and work within that realm instead of, you know, five years ago, where, you know, if you're a home brewer with a bit of money you'd try and open a brewery and you'd have two good styles and you've probably been brewing them for 10 or 20 years yeah. and everyone loves them. Yeah. And those are in the lineup, but then the, the other ones you're just kind of working with and experiment with and tweaking with. But now I think you're like, if you can make one or two really good beer and you focus on that, you might actually be able to make a go of it. Hmm. I, I don't know. This is just <laughs> my speculation <laughs> of, of where we're at in the industry. Cause it's in it's in sales like if you make the beer that people want to drink people are going to drink it for sure okay yeah. let's get out of here i know you gotta run do i we'll have to do this again in the new year yeah uh check him out on instagram at the beer raider the beer raider or the beer raider.com <laughs> <Or the beer -rater. laughs> cheers awesome <laughs>